Welcome back to episode three of our coverage of the Innovative Readiness Training Program, Central Delaware Partnership for Hope. Today's conversation brings together the site leadership for a roundtable discussion on the ins and outs of what it takes to run a successful mission. Our discussion was with Captain Jason Brooks, the officer in charge, Senior Master Sergeant Jacqueline Barbeau, the non-commissioned officer in charge, and Commander Melanie Cordoro, the assistant officer in charge. If you're a new listener to this series, the Innovative Readiness Training Program is a U.S. military training opportunity that provides real-life deployment training and readiness for military personnel while addressing public and civil society needs. With IRT, the Department of Defense realizes simultaneous benefits for military training and readiness while providing quality services to communities throughout the U.S. This discussion was recorded in August of 2021. My name is Jason Brooks. I'm a captain in the Delaware Army National Guard, and I am the officer in charge for the Central Delaware Partnership for Hope Innovative Readiness Training Mission. Um, my name is Jacqueline Barbeau. I'm a senior master sergeant with the Air Force Reserves. I am the NCOIC, or the non-commissioned officer in charge of the Central Delaware Partnership for Hope Innovative Readiness Training Mission. My name is Melanie Cordoro. I am a commander in the United States Navy Reserve, and I am the mission AOIC, assistant officer in charge of the Central Delaware Partnership for Hope. So in terms of numbers, what was the total impact to the local community here in Dover? Uh, Without getting too deep into the specifics, uh, here at the Central Delaware Partnership for Hope, Uh, Innovative Readiness Training Mission, uh, we were able to see 3,227 total patients. Um, 3,171 of them were from Delaware and uh, most likely within the local community here in Dover. Um, To that point, uh, the services, uh, medical, optometric, dental, uh, behavioral health and nutrition counseling services, all told we performed 18,050 medical procedures uh, to the tune of a fair market value of $1.34 million. Now that's pretty impressive, Captain Brooks, and I know you've been on multiple IRTs. How has Dover fared to your other missions? So uh, you have to compare apples to apples. Uh, Dover was a little bit smaller of a mission than the ones that I've been on before. Uh, Specifically, uh, the Savannah mission had four care sites where we only had three. Uh, Savannah also featured veterinary services, which bring in an astounding amount of business and uh, community outreach. Uh, A lot of times folks will bring their pets before they bring themselves. So for, uh, for those types of missions, it's almost a gateway. They'll bring their pets. Pets get seen, they're happy with how it goes, and then they learn that we also do medical, dental, optometry, and they come back and see us again. So um, that mission was larger in scale, it was larger in scope. Uh, also, the Puerto Rico mission that we were on had six care sites to our three. So those, uh, those missions were larger by nature, and uh, you can't really compare the two, but uh, we're wildly successful here in Delaware, uh, far, far exceeding any of our uh, actual uh, stated goals. Because you're all familiar faces with the IRT mission, I'd like to hear from each of you. How has IRT affected you at a personal level? 
So this is my third IRT mission. Um, and I have sent numerous of my unit members to a variety of IRT missions. I believe in the mission, the program. Um, I did Arctic Care at Kodiak back in 2014. That was my very first one. Um, I got to work in command and control. Uh, then I did the Savannah mission in 2018 where I was a site in CUIC. And then now here as a mission in CUIC. Um, it's definitely a challenge uh, for myself. I've learned a lot about myself in each environment. Uh, my confidence, I think, has increased. Uh, my familiarity with the other services, my fondness for the way that they do things. I mean, it wasn't until um, our take care where I realized that when you receive a coin from a Navy officer indoors, you don't salute. So I learned that um, by saluting and just holding it until they corrected it. So I mean, it's things like that you just don't learn when you're in your day-to-day -day operations. Uh, being able to participate participate in these events um, makes me look forward to what's what's next, and it keeps me motivated. I'm almost at 20 years in the reserves, and I'm eager to see how long I stay. And it's events like this that will keep me going. So this is actually my second IRT, and my first one was in Savannah, Georgia in 2018, and I had no idea what IRT was. And it was at that point also that I met Captain Brooks and then Master Sergeant Barbo, who's now senior. Um, it was a program I was completely unfamiliar with, and I was blown away by the services we provided. And I think the joint factor of it with all the different branches, including the guard, um, often in the reserve, we don't get to interact with the guard a lot. Um, so to see the air guard and the army guard come together and work with all these different components, you do learn a lot about the other branches um, and you learn a lot from the leaders. And that to me personally has impacted my own leadership style. Um, but you also learn and take away a lot from the community and they're so grateful for every service you provide here. Um, and then on top of that, for you being and uh, wearing the cloth of America, right? These uniforms. So they're, they're duly grateful for your service to the country as well as your service to them. So it's instilled in me a greater sense of pride and accomplishment uh, within my naval career. So grateful. So what would you say to future OICs and NCOICs if they were selected for this responsibility? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I guess I'll start from the uh, OIC level. Uh, this was new to me, and having seen it from the operations level before, and then as a site OIC, I thought I would know everything, and uh, it turns out I know next to nothing. Um, you know, leaning into these things, the more, it's like anything else, the more you put into it, the more you're going to get out of it, and you have to be tireless. Uh, this, this process is a long one. It takes a lot out of you over a long time. Um, community partner submits the application roughly two years out from the time that you ex actually execute the mission. And uh, they have an expectation, but then again, so does the IRT program. It is that hard a training mission and you need to build around that model while also satisfying uh, the needs that you know are hanging out there, especially if you've done this before, you know that you're winning the hearts and minds of the people out there. You're, you're, you're delivering those services that they they need so desperately. And um, 
you become focused on being able to hit those deliverables to the community partner that you need to remember to step back and make sure that you are accomplishing training more than just the OJT training, being able to, to pile in things that people haven't done or people haven't seen before. Um, for us, we did a suturing class featuring uh, pig's feet that were donated to us. Uh, we also lined up some great uh, aviation training uh, from with the medevac unit and uh, short of um, short of unforeseen circumstances, grounding our helicopters on the day of, or the, the two days of, uh, that, that sort of experience that you want to build uh, across the joint environment uh, to create those experiences that people haven't seen or haven't done before. Um, you have to think outside the box. You've got to serve uh, many bosses. But uh, again, the more you lean into it, the more you engage, the more you ask and, and, and lean on your um, subject matter experts, uh, the better off you are. Uh, trying to do this in a vacuum as if you're the only person in the room that matters is absolutely not the way to approach these things. So um, at an NCOIC level, whether it be at the mission level or the site level, um, I recognize myself as the enlisted support, that top cover for them. Um, that patience and understanding, that flexibility, knowing that there are so many people coming from different walks of life um, in their civilian jobs, their personal lives, uh, coming here, putting on a uniform to do, to meet a common goal. Uh, I want to keep them positive. I want to keep them motivated. Uh, I want to be able to walk them through and share my knowledge of anything that I know, because a lot of what we do uh, crosses over. It's very similar to just different regulations, maybe different standards, but at the same day or this, at the end of the day, it's all the same. And so I think, you know, positivity is contagious. Uh, if you're enlisted people, it make up the bulk of your numbers in a lot of um, events. And so as long as they're muscling through, uh, we can get through anything. Um, I mean, it's, it really is, uh, IRT really is defined by your people. And if you have a really good bunch of people working for that, um, you're going to have really great memories, make friends for life. Um, military is a small world, a small community. And so I, uh, I whether we're, uh, you know, taking liberty away or whether we're, you know, presenting awards or recognition or, I mean, it's all, it all serves a purpose for the well-being of everybody. Um, and we are in the military at the end of the day and, and being that enlisted top cover um, and supporting our folks is probably the most important thing. It's, it's not about the position we hold, it's about how we make a better environment for those that are doing the work, that are out there with the community, that are running the clinics and, and making sure they know what they're doing matters. So for me on this mission as the mission AOIC, where previously I was a site AOIC, it's vastly different. So at the sites, you're in the mix of the patient care and putting out those little fires right within your little bubble. Um, and it's kind of exciting. And you're seeing the impact that you're making in the community as the mission AOIC, working with the leadership team, you don't get to be in that mix as much. Um, but what I took away this time is really being humble and looking uh, at the importance of all the components in this. And one thing that really struck me was when our distinguished visitors came, our services people who work tirelessly at all hours to feed us and you know make good food and really try to make it a great experience. And our logistics people who are behind, it's all the behind the scenes people that at this level I've 
realized and really appreciated their impact. So that's what being on the mission um, leadership team has brought to me, the light of those behind the scenes. Being veterans of the IRT, I'm sure you've come across multiple stories, experiences. Maybe this is a patient you met or a service member who really stood out to you. Are there any of these moments in time that really resonated with you that you would like to share with us today? Sure, and I, I, I don't want to speak for uh, the group, but um, the first one that always comes to mind, I think it was just because it was a, uh, it, it was just such an incredible moment when I finally realized what was happening. Um, myself and uh, senior Mass Sergeant and uh, Commander Godora was sitting out uh, in Savannah, just grabbing a moment of peace and quiet. Uh, we had stepped outside, uh, outside of the uh, the uh, care site, and uh, sun was shining. It was a beautiful day in Georgia, and uh, we were sitting down on a nice brick uh, thing that has plants growing out of it. It was a, you know, a feature, and. Uh, and out the uh, exit door, the patient exit door, uh, you know, ladies came walking out, briskly walking. They're gabbing and happy with themselves and themselves, and and uh, you know we wished them a happy day. Thanks for coming to see us. Thanks for giving us a chance. Have a great day. And trailing behind them, I mean, by 10, 20 paces or so, it just was a little boy, and he had just picked up his his glasses. And I'm telling you, like he put the glasses down and he looked at stuff. And then he picked the glasses up and he looked and squinted and then he put the glasses down and you could see him just like really, really honing in on, I'm telling you, flowers and like pine cones and just things, the stuff that we had all taken for granted or been around in that area. It was a beautiful campus and uh, we just kind of saw it every day and it, it didn't really affect us, but this was like he was seeing it for the first time. And it just leveled me. And it's something that I won't forget because like to know that you made that kind of an impact on his life. And I don't even think that the, the, the ladies really noticed exactly how, how much it was, but no, no eight-year-old boy like walking by stops and looks at flowers like that. I mean, really, really looks. And uh, you know, you could take that story template, just apply it to the dental services, you apply to the medical the medical treatment that uh, folks get. And uh, you know that you're out there changing lives while also doing, you know, your training mission. And I think that that's incredible. Well, my story is similar. It does involve optometry. It's probably uh, one of the biggest, uh, you know, other than dental that people want with these events. Um, when I did the Arctic Care, um, it was on the island of Kodiak. And so the only way that a lot of the villages, uh, the Aleutic people that are out there in these villages can get care, uh, you can't even get to the villages unless it's by boat or by air. And so the odds of them getting care is pretty slim. And so the, the care that they received in the two weeks that the military was there equaled what they could get on their own in I think it was like six or seven years time. And so it, it made a huge difference. And one of the stories that had come back from the villages was there was a little boy um, who they just thought was blind and they brought him in. He was seen, he was treated, he got his very first pair of glasses and he literally saw for the first time his family, the, the people that treated him. Um, and it was almost like a miracle, but all the things we take for granted. I mean, it's 
it's huge. So this boy had lived with no no clear vision up until that moment. So that's huge. Um, and I think it's beneficial that we can take care of our our, our communities uh, within our borders the same as we would do anybody anywhere in the world. And so it is huge. But that story sticks with me all the time. I don't honestly have one particular story. It's a, it's just watching everybody. And I, I guess the big one for me would be uh, from Savannah, where we had veterinary services. Mm -hmm. And it was, I remember a woman coming in with a like a little wagon kind of thing. And she was using a walker and clearly, you know, having her own issues. But she came first and foremost and brought her pets in to be seen and get rabies vaccines and make sure they were okay, then left and then brought herself back in to receive her care. So that sticks out for me the most, was that dual service and her love of her animals enough to get them seen and then bring herself back. I can share one of my moments. This was down in Savannah at one of your sites, Captain Brooks. There was a pregnant mother who drove over four hours and slept on a park bench overnight just so that she could have some teeth extracted. Yeah, here, uh, here at uh, Central Delaware Partnership for Hope at the uh, South Elementary site, we actually uh, had documented uh, a person that, that had that level of commitment to getting seen. While we were here, she actually pitched a tent and camped out from 11 o'clock uh, the night prior and was first in line for services the next day. It meant that much to her. And, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine being in that level of need where that's the, those are the things you need to do to get seen for something that, you know, should be taken for granted, should not be taken for granted in the sense that, you know, eyes and teeth, you're born with them, yet somehow we don't, uh, we don't uh, provide for that on the other end, so. This is a question for all of you. After this Dover mission, how many more IRTs do you see within you? Uh, for me, this is most likely my last one. Um, I, uh, I'll be happy to be an advisor and I'll be happy to come back and answer questions. Um, for me, I uh, give up command of my medical detachment in just a few days from now. So, um, my exposure to the program and what I'll be doing day to day or on drill weekends from here on out uh, probably won't align too well with what the IRT uh, mission set is. Um, nobody needs to know how to write OERs during an IRT and that's where I'm going. So uh, the, um, uh, it's bittersweet, but again, I couldn't possibly think of a better mission to uh, end my time with the IRT program. Um, but I'll always be curious. I'll always look. Uh, I have access to the website still, uh, irt.gov, and um, I will uh, I will keep in touch with those that uh, I've been able to work so closely with. Um, these two specifically, but also those that worked in the IRT program, uh, Captain Machado and Captain Ryan, I think are uh, probably friends for life, at least uh, some random text messages here and there, a meme here and there. Uh, they, uh, they have an appreciation for, uh, for that, and, and they've been uh, incredibly helpful in, in my development uh, through this program. And uh, again, some of the folks that I got to work with out here, just truly excellent soldiers and sailors, airmen and Marines that uh, you know, I, I hope I stay in touch with over the time. So in terms of direct involvement, that's probably over, but uh, 
I'll, it'll always be a part of me, I think. Be, you know, the, I think it's the most important work I'll do in my career. Well, I would love to continue to participate. I probably have a couple more years in before I retire. Um, but if I'm not participating, I am advocating. So my, everybody in my unit knows that if they don't need their sustainment training or they don't have a school they need to go to, that they need to do this. I mean, it falls in line with how we're training nowadays. Um, and it, it, it teach, it's so such valuable training, such valuable experiences. So. I will forever be pushing more of my people into it if I'm not here. I concur with that in terms of uh, really advocating for people to come because it is such an amazing experience, especially as a reservist when you don't get to do this kind of thing all the time, that the impact it has on you personally and then getting to meet all these other branches and making friends. Um, I have eight years left in the reserve and I'm hoping to do at least eight more in IRT. <laughs> if you would like to learn more about the IRT program, please visit irt.defense.gov or search for Innovative Readiness Training Program on Facebook. You can also find IRT on Instagram at IRTSWIN. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast channel so you can always stay up to date with new content and share this online with your friends in the community. This is Staff Sergeant Paul Thorson of the 166 Airlift Wing Public Affairs Team signing off.